You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to call in to be a part of the show, it would be greatly appreciated. The number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line, but we don't have any new callers, so we're just going to kick this thing off with our man, Nate. Hey, we, we reworked Aaron Jones' contract. That's that's really awesome. Um, but now I want to know how badly that's going to affect the future. Um, the article that I saw just kind of mentions that he's now going to make 11 million this year. And he's got like 8 million as a signing bonus. Um, did we push any money out? Uh, is he, is he going to be even more expensive in the last year of his contract? So we can't, we can't trade him or, or it's going to hurt us really, really badly then. Um, I don't know if you have a way of looking into that, but. Just curious um, if this was just a, a rework that just converted a lot of that to a signing bonus, so it doesn't affect our salary cap. Or like I know nothing about the salary cap, so um, just want just really curious because I, I didn't necessarily want Jones back. Um, he's a good dude, but you just don't pay running backs. So go back up. Yeah, I was a little surprised to see how split fans were on it. Um, as the situation stands, essentially. First of all, there's there's two components here. One, we did push money out, as expected. Um, but a major component also is that he just took a flat-out pay cut. Um, $5 million, which is, is pretty drastic. So uh, I, I do see a lot of people pointing out how much he got in cash. I don't see exactly how that's necessarily relevant to us. Um, I mean, it is, because if you pay him, it's going to end up on the cap somewhere. But what matters to us is how much our cap hit is going to be every year. So I, I don't like when people start fuddling numbers and they're like, yeah, but the cash this year is this. I, I, I don't necessarily care. Anyways, uh, the way it stands right now, he's only $8.2 million. Obviously, that's very low for Aaron Jones. Next year, it's at $17 million, which is relatively high. However, that's comparable to like, what, $15.5 million, $16 this year, which again is high, but it is what it is. We may end up reworking that again. 
The way that they essentially do all this, though, and I think this is going to become common practice, I think we're going to do this with David Bakhtiari and probably a few other players, is we're just going to plan on, and I, I, I already mentioned this, you probably heard it by now on the, the podcast, but um, we're just going to give guys extra years. And so if you have two years left, we're going to pay you over three years. If you have one year left, we're going to pay you over two years. If you have four years left, we're going to pay you for five years. So we're going to spread it out so that it seems less while you're here. And then, you know, everybody gets all excited. Like, yeah, we didn't even have to pay him that much because nobody pays attention to the dead money, right? Like nobody noticed that we paid $12 million for Zadarius Smith, who wasn't even on the team. We paid more for Zadarius Smith than the Vikings did, right? So that kind of stuff is going to be happening. Right now, as it stands, if we don't change anything else, we're paying him $8 million this year, 17.7 next year. And then in 2025, when he's 31 years old and gone and not on our roster, we have to pay $6.6 million for the pleasure of him to go play on some other team. I'm personally not a big fan of that, but, you know, it is what it is. The salary cap goes up. Um, I see this as a way to slowly get out of this mess. Um, so long as we don't continue to do this down the line, uh, that would be obviously beneficial. I feel like we kind of need to, although obviously another option would be to just move on now, but we're in a tight spot now, so we can't really do things that bring on massive uh, dead cap hits, I wouldn't think necessarily, although we would probably save, eh, no, it would be, I think it would have been more money to cut them than it would to just do this deal. So anyways, that's kind of where we're at right now. The, the The biggest issue is obviously it looks great this year and everybody's celebrating. Wow, $8 million for Jones. That's amazing. Um, but again, 17.7 next year. And who knows, maybe he takes a pay cut three years in a row, which we can celebrate, but it's kind of BS. <laughs> you know, he shouldn't have to take pay cuts because we stupidly structure these contracts. But yeah, so $8 million, then almost $18 million, and then $6 million after he leaves. That's pending any other changes, but... Um, Again, none of the money goes away unless he takes a pay cut. So we can bring the 17.7 number down, but all we're going to be doing is paying more than six, you know? So we we could push money out so that we end up paying 10 million, but then we're just going to be paying like 13 million in 2025 after he leaves. Well, what if you give him an extension? It doesn't matter. All The bottom line is all this money has to get paid. And we can keep trying to hide it and, and move it and shift it and do all this stuff. If the money went in his pocket, it has to go on the cap somewhere. That's it, period, end of story. So, you know, that's that's just what it is. And again, all of this $6.6 million, it can't go away. It's money that's already been paid. So um, that's where we're at. I understand the sentiment on both sides. I mean, I, I think everybody is happy that you know in a vacuum he's playing on this football team but there is a lot of uh, I don't know if this is a good idea type sentiment and and part of the discussion I guess you would say about it is if we're gonna pay him this much money we should play him so that he earns it which was a point that I made before when I was uh, I think trying to defend Bruce Irons who was getting crucified for even suggesting we maybe we should move on but you know the fact of the matter is that the guy gets like eight carries if you're going to pay him to be the number one highest paid running back in football, it's not just about his skill level on a per snap basis. It's overall production. You are the highest paid in football. You better be getting like 1,500 yards and 20 touchdowns, 20 carries a game, that kind of stuff. If you're not, what are we paying you that much for? So I get it. I'm, you know, overall fine. Glad he's here. Glad he's back. I get it. I would like to slowly start getting out of this mess as opposed to just pushing it down the line. 
I would like to start investing in the offensive line more so than the running backs, although I do acknowledge that he's a special running back, which is part of the reason we should have a discussion about if he's special, let's use him. And if you're not going to, then don't pay him. You can't pay the guy and then sit here and talk about, oh, he's special. How dare you question it? And at the same time, not use him. If you think he's special, then use him. Well, we don't want him to get hurt. Can you imagine doing that with a quarterback? Like, we're only going to put him out there like 35% of the time because we don't want him to get hurt. But he's going to be the highest paid quarterback in football. That's stupid. So, again, it's tomorrow's problem, which is part of the reason why a lot of people don't like this. It becomes tomorrow's problem. But for today, it's it's done. It's out of the way. We'll figure it out tomorrow. Hey, what's going on, Ryan? This is Chris from Alabama. What's going on? Uh, calling in, man. I know it's been a little minute. Uh, calling in, man. That horse still out there in the field, man. I still got my stick. And I'm I'm still beating it, man. I'm still beating this dead horse. Do it. I'm beating this dead horse so much. <laughs> yeah, that body parts and stuff are starting to come out of him. But anyway... <laughs> I'm calling, of course. Uh, there's a little question about Aaron Rodgers' contract. Yeah. Okay, so we all know that the contract is not favorable for the organization. It's going to cost entirely too much money to keep this guy on the roster. So this is my thing. I'm not really familiar with how the contract restructuring and renegotiating. I know it's two different things. I'm not really sure how that would go. But let's put this scenario out here and say that Rogers comes back off this darkness retreat whenever that may be. And he says, you know what? I'm coming back to play, and I want to play for the Packers. So now we already know that if you want to play for the Packers on this deal that you're on, that's really not going to work. So, if you really wanted to pay for play for the Packers, how about renegotiating this deal, man, and uh, kind of getting a little money, dropping a little money down to make this kind of team friendly? If you really want to retire Packers, want to play for the Green Bay Packers, is that something? And, and and my question is, is that something that even can be done at this point, or is it even too late to renegotiate? renegotiate the contract like i said i'm really not sure on how that works so uh feel free to elaborate and let me know uh how you will feel about that if he was to do that if it could be done and if he was to do that would it be uh in the best interest to keep him or do we still trade him because we feel like he's done done over the hill not going to come back into mvp so just let me know what you think on that subject. Go pack, go. Well, this is this is why I love the call-in show because you guys get me thinking about stuff. Let let's let's leave the uh, contract out for just a second, as far as whether or not it's possible. Aaron Rodgers has made some comments. Number one is that he could easily retire and walk away from the fifty-eight point four million or whatever it is that he's due in what, like a month. In one month, it triggers something where he's going to get $60 million just handed to him. He said he could just walk away from that. Money is not really a big deal. If he comes back, it's because he believes that he can win a Super Bowl. That's the most important thing. How about this? And and again, I, I, I don't think anybody is required 
to uh, take a pay cut. I I would never think that you're to to say that somebody should take a pay cut. I think is BS. However, according to Rogers' own words, money is not what he wants, and it's not what he's coming back for. What he wants is a Super Bowl. There's a very easy solution here, then Rogers. The money is getting in the way of you winning. So why don't we shift the priorities? If if you were to do something before that triggers, let's say, and I don't know exactly how that would look, but let's just say hypothetically, and I don't know if this is the case, but I, I, I believe that it is, he could forfeit the option bonus of 58.3. Now, I believe some of it has maybe already been accounted for. I don't know. But let's just say hypothetically you could. Why would you not? In fact, he has a 2024 option bonus of $47 million. Uh, 2025 option bonus of $5 million. 2026, uh, those are roster bonuses. Um, whatever. Let's just say he, he declines those two options. Again, I, have no, I don't know if this could actually happen. If I'm not mistaken, here's what his salary cap hit would look like for the remainder of his career. His $31.6 million this year would drop to $26.6 million. Next year, his $40 million cap hit would drop to 33.4. In 2025, he has a $59.3 million cap hit. It would drop to 38.4. And then in 2026, his $53.4 million cap hit would drop to 32.4. All of the cap issues are solved. He's already made a massive amount of money. He's going to continue to make a massive amount of money. And the team is set up cap-wise for the foreseeable future, even with you here, but we have a ton more money to work with to get you what you need to win. Again, I'm 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 not saying you need to or should or are required to take a cap to to take a a, a pay cut. I'm not saying that whatsoever. What I'm 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 just trying to help you come to what you find best uh, the the best result in your life. You don't want money necessarily. I mean, it's not that you don't want it, but if you come back, it's not about the money. It's about winning. You can happily walk away from this money, is what you said. So do it on the contingency that this team will focus its efforts on giving you the resources you need to win, and they can give you a detailed plan on how they plan on doing that. It'll also help them because what they're going to do, it's not just about, well, you only freed up a handful of dollars this year. It's not just that. Think how much money they freed up in the future, which means they can do what? They can continue to restructure the living crap out of the contracts they have now, because the calculus changes for the future. Instead of saying, well, we, don't, we could, you know, we'll, we'll put a dead cap hit charge of like $4 million on this guy. We can't do any more than that. Now they're like, screw that. We can do seven, eight, nine million on him because we don't have this massive hit from Aaron Rodgers anymore. Again, go get all the money you're entitled to. That's fine. But don't tell me on one hand, I want every penny of this. And on the other hand, say, it's not about money. It's about winning. That doesn't, that doesn't work, dude. But here's the thing, there's really nothing they can do to the contract aside from just some kind of a, of, of a cut from Rodgers, just saying, nah, let's just reduce it. Because it's the future that's the biggest issue, it's not even this year. So if we push money out, we're just, we're just kicking ourselves right between the eyes. We're lifting a weight off of our good foot and dropping it on our broken foot. So the, the, the discussion is worth having just from a standpoint of, of, you know, why does that not make sense in terms of what Rodgers should want if we just take him at his word? We just connected all the dots for you. 
You want resources. And and for the, oh, jeez, I don't want to go down this path. But for the guy to piss and moan about not being given the resources. And for all the sycophantic fans who come around and piss and moan about, oh, all you got was Sammy Watkins. Yeah, do you know why? Because we don't have any money. Do you know why? Oh, no, it's not just Roger's cap hit. It's the fact that we went, quote, unquote, all in and freaking destroyed our salary cap and did stuff that Ted Thompson would never do. So we had no money. I mean, just look at it. Do we have money or not? No? Okay. Why? Look at it. Where'd all the money go? It doesn't seem like we're paying a ton of guys. Yeah, scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page and look at dead cap hits. Paying almost $20 million for Zadarius and Billy Turner. They're gone. All because our GM refuses to accept that it's time to move on. Which, for the four billionth time, I can forgive him, assuming he's not going to do it again. Yeah, back-to-back MVP, we got a great thing going here, All right, fine. Freaking Devontae's gone, Rodgers played like crap, the defense looked like crap, the offense looked like crap. We got some work to do here. There's nothing to run back. Anyways, sorry, I get... uh... Whipped up again just to to clarify one more time so we're clear because I know people are going to try to twist my words on this. Nobody should feel obligated to take a pay cut, but if you tell me it's not about the money, you only want to come back if you think you can win a Super Bowl. I have a solution, it'll benefit you in your desire to win a Super Bowl, it'll benefit the team, it'll benefit the other players who can get more money, it'll benefit everybody in terms it'll benefit you in terms of getting different players, free agents, etc. Everybody wins. The only thing that doesn't, you know, the only the only thing that doesn't go well, I guess, is that you don't get as much money as you were going to before, but you said that that wasn't Really, the big you know, something you could easily walk away from. You've been blessed. I've made enough money. I don't need any more. Like that. That's that's what you said, right? I'm just one. I'm just just making sure. So so this should be win 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 across the board. But no, to answer your question more directly, there's nothing we can do with this contract. So sorry. Hey Ryan, Chris from Alabama again. Going on. Uh, I had another point that just popped up in my head when I said something about the retreat deal. Okay, the retreat deal, the darkness retreat deal. Yeah. Uh, with all the hoopla about when he was supposed to go and all that, uh, I think, oh yeah, I think it was Nate that called in and was saying that it was all his fault. And I just, I, on that subject alone, I can't, I can't say that it's, that's his fault because it's, he really didn't give a date. He didn't give a time. He just said after the Super Bowl, right. that could be whenever after the Super Bowl, as you have said, but, I mean, a lot of this media drama, you can say Rogers creates some of it with the indecisiveness, maybe like the last couple of years about will you retire, we won't retire, you're throwing hints out, like the little salute at, uh, at Soldier Field this year, say so you never know, this be my last time playing in Soldier Field. You know, comments like that can kind of, you know, you, you put a little plate of food out there, feed, and, and, and see if somebody want to eat it or whatever. But that's just like if I was to say, I was to talk to someone that I know, and I tell them, hey, I'm going to Miami for my birthday in April. And they say, oh, okay. And I might have somebody in my inner circle which knows when we're going, where we're going to, what we're going to do, all that. I didn't, I didn't 
share none of that with this person. This person is just like a, a queen. And maybe it might be somebody else that has a, hey, how Chris doing? What's Chris up to? Oh, well, I talked to him another day, and he's going to Miami, and he's going to go surfing and, and, and deep sea right. diving, and, 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 and he's going to do this, and he's going to do that. And, and he's going on April the 19th. He, he specifically said he's going on April the 19th. And then when the guy come back to me, and like, hey, man, why you ain't telling me about your birthday trip on the 19th? I'm like, I'm not going on the 19th. Oh, well, so-and-so said he talked to you, and he, you know, I just, it, it stuff happens like that all the time. Yeah. So, I mean, to, to blame Rogers for that is, is I, I, I just can't agree with that, man. It just, you know, I, I don't understand that. But, I mean, the media going to be the media, just like you said. Uh, everybody's trying to be first. Well, actually, Robin said it. Everybody's trying to be first and not trying to be right. But, yeah, I just thought about that one just called back. And it, it just, I mean, a lot of slack. Some things, yeah, Robin's is, is to blame. But, I mean, on that case, nah, that's just media running with something and, and just trying to turn it and over and, and, and blow it out of proportion like they always do. But anyway, I, I might have another thought and call back. But if not, go pack, go have a good day. Well, yeah, and as far as the him creating drama in other areas, I mean, if you had, I, I wouldn't doubt it, but you, you got to give me an example. So, like in the example that you cited, that um, you know his indecisiveness about whether or not he's coming back, right? Well, yeah, that that causes drama, but there's a couple points to note on that that I think are not exactly the way that people portray it. Number one he has every right to make a decision, right? So he's not doing anything wrong. So it's just by virtue of him doing something, it creates drama. Number two, has he ever complained about the drama? No, no. Has, and maybe I'm wrong, but has he ever come out and said, how dare you like get all whipped up about that? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think that that's a thing. So, that's where that would stick, because it would be like, well, Lamar Jackson is a drama queen. Why do you say that? Well, look at this with all the contract. How long we've we been talking about this contract? And, oh, Lamar doesn't have an agent, and Lamar can't get it. It's been like two years now of Lamar saying he wants money, and da 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 What did Lamar do wrong? Well, nothing. But, I mean, you know, he has to know that by doing all this, it's going to cause a stir and a bunch of meat. Well, yeah, but I don't understand what that has to do with anything. Well, he's causing drama. Well, kind of. I mean, he's just, he's going through a process that is big news. I don't know about causing drama, but because he's a superstar, when, when big things happen, it causes big news and it causes a stir. I don't know what that has to do really with drama. And so that's kind of where I'm at with that. Like, it, it's it's big news that Rogers is doing this again, and people are annoyed by it, but... I don't know, man. What 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 do you want him to do? I think it's unfair to say you need to give him an you need a, you need an answer immediately. Like this is a big decision, you know, to to give up football for the rest of your life and never come back, or to continue to put in one more. Like, can the guy get a couple months to just really decide on this major decision? I mean, everybody else gets that much time, but because they're not superstars and nobody cares and nobody's talking about it twenty four seven. Nobody gives them a bunch of crap. There's a ton of football players that have been contemplating retirement for probably five years now. There's offensive tackles and wide receivers and everything else that have been thinking about it. They just haven't done it. And nobody really cares about it. But other people's reactions are not his fault. 
And again, I, 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 I see two things from Rogers in terms of responding. One is responding to news that is not true. And two is responding to negative news and trying to set it straight. And maybe, maybe the negative news is true. And he's obviously he's biased. Everybody would expect him to be biased, but at any point along the way, I don't really understand the, he's a drama queen and causes a bunch of drama stuff. If you have examples of him doing something wrong, specifically, other than just doing things that everybody would do, that makes perfect sense, that happens to cause a stir, and then we blame him for it because, well, he knows that would happen. So what? It's not, I mean, it just, it's, it's not his job to order his life so that there's never big news surrounding him. Like, he, I mean, he literally is not allowed. <laughs> the only way he could live in which there would be no news is if he went into a dark hole for the rest of his life, except for the fact that he is going into a dark hole and leaving society, and even that became big news. So, again, if you have an, a specific example of times when he tried to cause drama, specifically for the sake of just trying to stir things up, which I don't doubt, you can give me examples and I'll, I'll give my opinion on whether or not I think that that's what's happening. What I'm saying is based on what I've been hearing recently, I have not heard of any examples that to me sound like Rogers is deliberately causing, who won the game here? Oh, dang, Arlington won 22 to 20. Is it Arlington? Is that what the team is? I don't know. I haven't really heard of anything. I think it's just people that are, that don't like Rogers who are trying to attribute every single thing that happens to him being a bad person. Hey, Ryan. Goose here. Hey, Goose. Just calling to talk to you about this Aaron Rodgers kid. Never heard of him. We don't need him. He ain't <laughs> going to take us nowhere. Jordan Love, he's, he's going to take us to the Super Bowl. The only place that Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is going to take you is to the toilet bowl. It's, it's, yeah, it's toilet bowl. But, yeah, that's it. It's pretty good, man. Yeah, I'm I'm uh I'm starting to get a little jacked up. I'm well, now I'm completely thrown off with all this and and the podcast tomorrow I'll talk obviously a lot about it, the whole McGinn story and everything and then Silverstein on top of that unloading his uh, I, you would have called it a bomb if it wasn't for the McGinn thing. Now it seems like a a tame uh tidbit uh footnote. But um yeah, I don't know where my head is at right now as far as all this stuff. But the bottom line is I'm starting to get excited about Jordan Love a little bit. Um, Eli guy on Twitter or whatever, who constantly posts uh, videos of Packers plays, um, posted a, that preseason play of Jordan Love that I forgot about. I mean, it was, it was not that I remember every single Packers throw, but that had to be up there with the top five throw of the entire year by a Packers quarterback. It has to be. And I remember spending like an entire week arguing with Bears fans who were saying that that was a terrible throw out of bounds. It's like, it absolutely was not. So I, they, they tried to freeze frame it, like, look where it is. I'm like, okay, dummy. So I went and did it, and I circled two feet down, hands not even fully extended, and the ball was inside of his hands. It went right through his arms. It was a bad catch by A.J. Dillon. If he would have caught that, though, oh, my goodness. It's, it also sucks to think for Jordan Love how close he's been to being like superhero status, but has always just fallen short. Like if he would have caught that, that would have been highlight reels everywhere. Dude, this freaking Jordan Love guy, but he didn't catch it. So it was just a throw out of bounds and nobody cared about it. That, Like I've said before, that Chiefs game, Kansas City Chiefs, one of the best teams in football he had to go up against. Something else that's gone unnoticed. Well, he hasn't looked good in these. Dude, he had to go up against the Chiefs 
And then the next year, he had to go up against the Eagles. We're talking two of the best teams in football. But he was inches away from beating the Chiefs. But it was just just short, and so it ended up being picked, which is not great. But it was that close for him to come in and beat the Chiefs with, like, no practice that week. That's impressive on back-to-back touchdown drives. And then against the Eagles, similarly, he was really driving down the field. Nobody expected anything, and all of a sudden, he cracks open a touchdown right away, and it's like, holy crap. We're, uh, we're actually gaining here a little bit, folks. <laughs> what if? I'm just saying, what if Dylan catches that? What if that pass was a little bit more against the Chiefs? What if he ended up leading a, a comeback against the Eagles? That one's a little bit more out of reach. Dude, everybody would be screaming that this Jordan Love guy is, he's the next Pat Mahomes. And I'm not even saying I'm 100% sold. I'm just saying the coin always fell to the negative, and so it looks negative. If it always fell to the positive, it would have been the exact opposite narrative. Even though almost nothing, you don't have to change hardly anything about what he's done over his career, except move the needle just a half an inch in each of those scenarios, and he's a superhero. Good morning, morning, sir. This is Nico here. Nico! Uh, Just catching up on the pod from yesterday on my way to work. And uh, so Seth posed a, a really neat question. About you know who would you pick Brady or Rogers <laughs> if you could start a franchise? Yeah, I remember back in the '90s when uh, you know when we had Favre. Um, this was in like the Journal Sentinel, Liberal Wisconsin, and I don't remember when, but it was around the time when like we knew what we had. We had a gunslinging pool, and everyone just loved Favre. Um, it was probably around the time we had won the Super Bowl, maybe went to the second one a lot, but we just thought we were going to go there for the next ten years straight. But anyways, they posed a question to six ex-Packer people, like ex-players, coaches, and stuff that were relevant back in the 90s, said, if you could start a franchise with either Favre or Marino from the get-go, who would it be? And of course, in reading it, I thought, oh, and I watched Marino play, but you know, I just love Favre so much. Well, um, three of the, of the people said, it's too close to call, slash, it doesn't really matter. You know, it's the pick'em. And three said Marino, and I'm kind of like, wow. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, five was, I mean, until recently, I don't know what's going on. You got another podcast about five, you can't wait to do it. But, uh, I mean, I just worshiped five, but I thought, and I, and, and I watched Marino too, and I loved him. Um, he's, he's why I still like the Dolphins a little. But, uh, you know, six X Packers, I mean, three said it's, too close to call, which to me is a polite way of saying, yeah, I'll take Marino. Right. Reed literally said Marino. Uh, so, you know, it's funny because I think in 20 years, there's going to be some other guy that we're going to, you know, talk about people forget Rodgers. It is the way it is. Because, yeah, as far as the thrower of football, I don't know if there's ever been anyone with Rodgers' arm talent. Um, and I haven't heard your answer yet. I think some of the things that bummed me about Rodgers, you didn't... One thing about uh, uh, Brady that's awesome is that he is like the team guy. He was, I remember when that was COVID, he was out there throwing balls to the receivers. Rodgers is just hiking in the Himalayas and taking drugs and doing things that aren't bad. But you know what? While you have that short window to be a, you know, uh, a team guy, be it. Once you retire, when you're a billionaire and you're, you know, in your early 40s and you got a lot of time left, then go do crazy things. But that's the one thing Brady, I think, did a lot better. But, uh, yeah, we forget about Marino. Uh, he was he was really awesome back in the day. But as you know, 
we all live long enough that everybody gets forgotten about. So, uh, sadly, even, even us, Ryan, that's right. But anyway, go back, go. Yeah, and that was, I mean, part of the comment that I had made on a different question, and that was that what I didn't necessarily like about this Mahomes thing is that Rodgers is just going to be another guy. And I, and I do think he'll be sort of a Marino. I know Marino didn't win anything, but I don't think it's that big of a difference. He's going to be seen as, you know, and that was in an era where there's a lot of good quarterbacks, right? You, Aikman and Favre and, you know, there were a pile of those guys in the 90s that were just the the top dogs. And, um, uh, you know, Elway. And, and Marino kind of got forgotten about, but he was sort of the Aaron Rodgers. He was like, he didn't win anything for whatever reason, but he just had such unbelievable talent as a thrower. I mean, how many people in today's era talk about or think about Marino at all, you know, in terms of any, like if you even just had a discussion of the top five quarterbacks, I'm guessing most people wouldn't put Marino in that category. And so I, I just wonder how much different is it going to be with Rodgers? You know, now we look at it, just just and I've said this, about Brett Favre. There was a time with Brett Favre when he was seen, no question, hands down, as uh, one of the greatest of all time. Not even debated. In Chicago, when I grew up, it wasn't even debated among Bears fans. Now it's a joke, right? So, you know, and, and that also goes to Rodgers needing to think about his legacy. Everybody talks about, well, he wants one more, he needs one more for his legacy. I think Favre hanging on so long, and playing as bad as he did. I know he had some good years in Minnesota, but he played way too long, in my opinion, and just kind of, he became kind of a joke, you know? That gunslinger thing went from uh, a, a real big positive to a negative. I mean, every time he threw the ball in the air and it would just hang there, you're like, oh, here comes a pick. Here comes a pick. Because it was like 50-50. It was either going to be the greatest pass you've ever seen or it was a pick. Uh, your heart just sank when he launched that thing up in the air. Half the time he wasn't even looking, you know, he's just about to get hit and he slings it in the air and it just hovers as like a punt. It's like, come on, Brett, what are you doing, dude? Before it even landed, you knew. But um, yeah, you, you wonder about that with Rodgers. Where, where in 10 years are people going to be thinking about Aaron Rodgers? I don't think it'll be necessarily super glowingly. So, and the, and you know, the, the, the crazy thing is, Today, you you ask Packer fans or anybody about Rodgers or Favre, uh, Rodgers or um, Tom Brady, it's probably mostly going to be Brady, but it'd be pretty split. And and funny enough, you go back five years, it'll probably be mostly Rodgers or six years, seven years, whatever. Despite the Super Bowls, it's mostly Rodgers, and now it's probably mostly Brady. But there's going to be a lot of Rodgers people because he's just a better quarterback. He's a better thrower, I should say, of the football. Ten years from now nobody's going to say Rodgers. There's going to be some Packer fans that are like, no, you don't understand. He was a great... Nobody outside of, you know, 15% of the Packers fan base would ever say that. Tom Brady's going to be the GOAT. He won all the Super Bowls. He won with two different teams. All this stuff. Rodgers is some guy that uh, was an annoying, weird, hippie guy that, uh, you know, had some highlight passes back, you know, early in his career, but then just kind of hung on and... Didn't really do anything. He, he had this weird little spat where he won MVPs back to back, but one of those years was kind of a fluke, and it was mostly because of this new system and Devonte. And as soon as Devonte left, he went to zero. It wasn't really a Rodgers thing. It was Lafleur and Devonte just kind of propping him up. And uh, you know, you know, I, I'm just saying, like, 
as time goes on, these kinds of things will happen. You know, the narratives is going to shift. So as I can sit here and waffle on it and be like, eh, probably Brady, but I don't know. Somebody listened to me that in 10 years and just like, are you out of your freaking mind? Of course it's Brady. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take this wonderful opportunity to take a break. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you'd like to support the podcast, Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry, please check them out at fertilegroundranch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, Ryan Chris from Alabama once again, man. Go I, had, I had something else. I got something else. It ain't got nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers. Oh, all right. Actually, it does not have nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers. Actually, it, it, it's kind of uh, a draft deal. It's actually about Bryce Young. It's, okay. It's about Bryce Young. Now, Bryce Young is considered to be the top quarterback, if not the number one overall pick, if Houston or one of these other teams ain't trying to get a quarterback trade with Chicago or whatever. Alabama quarterbacks are very, very overrated. We, yep. I'm an SEC guy. I'm, I'm now here. I stay in Alabama. I'm, I'm from Mississippi. I'm a big Florida Gator fan. Alabama quarterbacks are old, way overrated. Alabama keeps a stacked football team. Right. Alabama wide receivers 
you could just name a plethora of a wide receivers that done came out of that college. Like they they just keep they just keep wide receivers like every year they just as soon as somebody graduates leaves goes to the NFL is is a whole nother group of, of wide receivers ready to take they take their place. Offensive line. Everything is stacked. Everything is strapped. And and it's just like I can name quarterbacks they have came from Alabama that, that said that they were going to succeed in the NFL that, that drastically, drastically did not do anything when they got there. I mean, I can go all the way back to, to Greg McElroy and A.J. McCarron. And, I mean, these guys in college, oh, they were the best thing since sliced bread. And then they got to the NFL and did what? Even Tool. I, I, I don't – I believe Tool can be a good quarterback. A serviceable quarterback. Do I believe Tua is going to be one of these elite guys? No, I still don't believe it. Even when they put the star over, Tua only lost one game when he was healthy this year, and he looks light years better. I bet he does with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Wall running four threes and running past everybody. And all you got to do is throw the football up, and they descend, and they're going to run under and catch it. I mean, I mean, you can put, you can pretty much put damn near anybody in that in that group that's. That's got some sense. I mean, the Skylar Thompson dude, if he would have played a little bit more, he probably would have looked pretty decent in that offense. But, I mean, to go with Bryce Young, like, don't get me wrong, Bryce Young is, he, he's good, but he's not as good as they're saying he is. That's my deal. He's not as good as he's saying that they're saying he is. And for him to be the number one quarterback prospect is, Kind of a reach. It's not a big reach, but it's kind of a reach. Let me see if you got another one here. Let's, uh, all right, let's, yeah, we'll we'll see what what else you got here. All right, I'm back. I figured I was going to get cut off because I, I kind of went on a little, a, a little, uh, not a rant, but just it's all good. Stretch, stretching, stretching it out a little bit too far. But anyway, like I was saying, I think the team that drafts Bryce Young, Right now, looking like the Texans, unless somebody leapfrogs Chicago to to get that first pick to get them, whoever gets them, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a regretful situation. Like, because you're going to have to overpay him, and I don't think once it's, once it's time for him to get paid because he's going to be the number one overall pick, I think it's gonna be kind of like a Baker Mayfield situation, I believe. That's, that's what, that's what I'm gonna compare it to. I think it's gonna be like a Baker Mayfield situation. You pick him first overall. You might come in, show you a few things the first year or two or whatever. And you throwing him in the five straight from the gate. He might be able to handle it somewhat, but he's not gonna be the guy that everybody thinks he's gonna be. And it's only because you you coming from Alabama where I could get back there and throw a football to these wide receivers and, and look like a superstar. I mean, it's just like, oh, look at the throw, beautiful throw down the field, right in the middle of the field in the bread basket. Yeah, the wide receiver is four and five yards past the damn DB. Oh, excuse me. I said the, I said the D word, my bad. He's he's four or five yards past the past the DB and and he's wide open. Like, who's going to miss that? Those receivers run wide open all the time. So, I just, the Bryce Young stock is, uh, 
I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but for right now, from what I've been seeing, and I watch a lot of SEC football, and I, I for sure watch a lot of Alabama football, not by choice. I, I, I don't, I don't see how he's the number one pick in the draft, man. But uh, yeah, that's all I had, man. You can elaborate on it, man. Yep. I think I'm done for the day. I call back if I find if I get something else in my brain. <laughs> If not, go, go, man. Y'all have a good day. Chris, I got your back on this one, man. Um, I think as you were talking, I'm like, all right, let's dig into it. I was, I was looking at some stuff as you were talking a little bit. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Let's, again, in my opinion, weak quarterback class. I have not sat down and watched a ton of Bryce Young. I did watch Bryce and Stroud and Levis and uh, uh, da, 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 Richardson. And... Um, I wasn't massively impressed with any of them. Again, I did kind of like Levis, but he reminded me a little bit of Richardson where it's like every once in a while you see a pass and it's like, what was that? Bryce, um, even if the guy was something super special, his size is a massive concern. Now, I I just saw something today that kind of got me thinking like, okay, Maybe I can see it. I don't remember who the quote was from. I don't think I saved it. I took so many notes today. But the comment that was made was that if he was 6-1-220, he would be seen as a generational talent. And I thought, I've never heard that before, but at least then I get it, right? He's He is Trevor Lawrence. He is, who was before Trevor? He's Andrew Luck. He's Peyton Manning, but he's undersized. First of all, bullcrap. <laughs> I didn't hear Bryce Young's name once until the draft came around. I know he's been there for a couple of years, but you heard Trevor Lawrence's name coming out of high school. Just like Andrew Luck, you heard coming out of high school. Peyton, I'm assuming you heard coming out of high school. There wasn't as much media, so maybe you didn't. The Manning kid partially because he's a Manning, but you heard him before he ever came into college. Same with Quinn Ewers. I don't know what he's doing in college these days. I think he's doing okay. But he and Trevor Lawrence and those guys, you heard about them coming out of high school. You didn't hear about Bryce Young coming out of high school. And if you did, you're probably just more plugged in and pay more attention. I didn't. And I'm telling you, there are a select couple names that I hear. Right, You hear these names, and it's like, okay, yeah, I've been hearing it, I've been hearing it, I've been hearing it, and then they get to the NFL like, oh, dang, here they are. And most of the time, they don't materialize. But the point is, nobody has ever said Bryce Young is a generational talent until all of a sudden, when people start bringing up his size, and it's like, well, yeah, but it, it's despite the size, he's he's like the top guy. If, he, if, if it was different, he'd be generational. Bullcrap. I'm, I'm just not buying it. Let's let's do a couple other things here, though, aside from that nonsense claim. I guess he was pretty highly recruited, but whatever. He's not on that tier. I've never heard that before until today. If you go over to PFF and look at it, Bryce Young has a 91.3 passing grade, 91.5 overall grade. That's really high. It is. That's quite high. What happens when we go back to 2020? Mac Jones had a 95 passing grade and a 95.8 overall grade. Mac Jones was a higher graded player than was Bryce Young. What happens when you go back to 2019? Tua Tungavailoa had a 90.3 overall grade, 90.3 passing grade. 
What happens when you go back to 2018? Jalen Hurts, 90 overall grade, 94 passing grade. So you're right. Every year, these Alabama guys are tearing it up roughly, coincidentally, around the same time that Alabama always has three of the top wide receivers in all of college football. You go back far enough, and I'm not going to research this myself, but I'm guessing when you go back and look at, for example, Jalen's first year or Blake Barnett or however far back you got to go, Jake Coker, whatever, um, you start to see Alabama without these massively elite wide receivers. They had uh, Kenyon Drake was the highest receiver with an 83 receiving grade, which isn't bad, but you know we're talking college. They had Calvin Ridley, too. He had a 79 grade. O.J. Howard was there. He had a 67 receiving grade. So they had some big names, but whatever. But okay, so the point is, PFF doesn't back it up because he's not any better than the last couple guys that came out. Which, I mean, fine, if you like Tua and Mac Jones and Jalen Hurts as a general crew, then he's in there. But again, you're going to give me what? Tua, but 5'11", 197, or as I've seen it by some people, 5'10", 190? Tua at 5'10", 190? Never. Jalen Hurts at 5'10", 190? Never. Jalen's a big, powerful guy, and that's a big part of his game. I don't want 5'10", 190. Unless he's Pat Mahomes, which of course some people are going to compare him to, I don't want him at 5'10", 190. But let's continue. Let's click over to SIS because some people, oh, who cares about PFF grades? All right, fine. Let's look at Alabama quarterbacks going all the way back to 2016. So that's Jalen, Bryce, Tua, and Mac Jones. Just go through some stats. Completion percentage. Number one is 2020 Mac Jones, then 2019 Tua, then 2018 Tua, then 2019 Mac Jones, and then Bryce Young. All right, what about catchable percentage? Mac Jones, Tua, and then Bryce Young. What about on-target percentage? Mac, then Jalen, then Jalen, then Bryce. All right, yards per attempt, Tua, Mac, Tua, Mac, Bryce. By the way, there's only eight eight here, and two of them are Bryce Young. There's uh, like two Tuas, two Macs, two Bryces, and two Jalens. Average net yards per attempt, tempt. Tua, Mac, Tua, Mac, Bryce. Touchdown percentage, Tua, Tua, Mac, Mac, Bryce. Interception percentage, Jalen, Mac, Tua, Bryce. Passer rating, Tua, Mac, Tua, Mac, Bryce. The guy hasn't been top of any list, number one in any list, and he's generally toward the bottom. Usually he's the highest at fifth, and he has, he's twice on this list. IQR, which is like uh, SIS's passer rating, Tua, Mac, Tua, Mac, Bryce. If we go over to value, points earned per play, Mac, Tua, Tua, Bryce. Points above average per play, Mac, Tua, Bryce. EPA, Mac, Tua, Tua, Bryce. Positive percentage. What percentage of the time do you run a play that's positive? Mac Jones, then Tua, then Tua, then Mac, then Bryce. Boom percentage. What percentage of the time do you uh, run a play that is extremely positive? Tua, then Mac, then Tua, then Mac, then Bryce. Bust percentage. What percentage of the time do you run a play that is uh, extremely terrible from lowest to highest? Mac, Tua, Tua, Mac, Bryce. He hasn't been better than all these guys in one category. Generally, it's Mac, then Tua, then Bryce, then Jalen. That's usually how it plays out. So explain to me how I'm supposed to believe that Bryce is not only generally generationally better than a lot of these quarterbacks that have come out in the last several classes. Explain to me how he's better than Mac Jones. Give me like one category that he's better than just Mac Jones. Because remember, he not only needs to be significantly better 
than Jalen Tua and Mac because I'm not convinced any of them are great. Jalen is in a great system. You put him on almost any team with the exception maybe of the 49ers, and I don't think he does half of what he does. I think he's a good football player. But I think Mac, Tua, and and Jalen, all of them, eh. You take Bryce and you tell me that he's about as good as the rest of these guys, maybe not quite as good of a thrower as Mac and not quite as overall talented as Tua, and he's way smaller, and then you're just going to give me some garbage platitude about he would be a generational talent if he was 6'1", 220, based on what? I've got my spreadsheet that goes through every single one of these statistics compared to the rest of the class. First of all, he's not even up to where C.J. Stroud is, and C.J. Stroud doesn't even grade out all that well. And by the way, the height and weight thing is pretty serious. I put all these things on a scale of 10. You know where he ranks on a scale with his weight, which is listed at 194? Do you know where he ranks on a scale of 1 to 10? A 3.7. That sucks. His height is a 3.7 out of 10. And yeah, he grades out really well in a lot of different areas. There's no doubt, just like every quarterback does. Um, But I mean, his rushing grade is a 4 out of 10. He's supposed to have elite athleticism. Why does he have a 4? I know he's fast. But that isn't, doesn't really correlate to your rushing grade. A 4.7 out of 10, according to his PFF grade. Big-time throw percentage, he has a 5.7 out of 10. Uh, what else here? Time to throw is 4, because he takes way too long to throw the ball. Um, has a 6 average net yards per attempt, a 6 on positive play percentage, and a 5 on his bust percentage. And he's got 7s and 8s and some 9s in there for sure. Overall, out of 10, I have him at a 6.9 out of 10. That's third out of my quarterback list so far. And actually, you know what? Dang, I've been lying this whole time. I've been saying Jake Hayner is the guy on the top of my list. It's not. It's Hendon Hooker. Maybe it was Hayner and I changed it. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But I have C.J. Stroud ahead of Bryce Young. Now, I don't know. I'd have to plug in the rest of these guys to see where they would all rank. Maybe this is super high and everybody else in these prior draft classes would be you know lower. I don't know. But I just, I just don't see it. First of all, just based on this list, if you're telling me, let's just assume that my uh, big board calculation thing here is 100% accurate. C.J. Stroud is better than Bryce Young. And he's what, 6'1", 215, something like that? Why would I take Bryce Young? You know what? I actually have Tim Demerat at the top out of Fordham. I think that's the guy. Tim Demerat, then Hendon Hooker, then C.J. Stroud, then Bryce Young. By the way... Um, I just plugged it in for fun. Caleb Williams, and granted, he's got one more year to get in there and kind of improve his stock. I already have him at a 7.3, which is where I have C.J. Stroud. So he's already ahead of of Bryce Young, who's at a 6.8. So yeah, I I don't want him. You know, the the maybe he becomes this great elite whatever. Okay. I don't know, dude. The, the size thing throws me. If, if Unless he is Pat Mahomes, and I'm convinced he's Pat Mahomes, I'm not touching him. And even then, I'm nervous because I'm like, we're going to have like four or five years of Pat Mahomes, and he's going to bust his leg, and then we're going to sign him to a 10-year deal like we did Pat Mahomes, and we're screwed. I just don't want, I don't want him, period. I hope the Bears draft him. I do. Trade Justin Fields and draft this guy. Hey, Ryan, it's Nate. Um, I know like all of your calls are probably going to be about uh, Aaron Jones and him, uh, him restructuring and everything. Right. Um, I I don't I don't love it. Um, 
I said in my last call, you know, I love Aaron Jones. He's super talented, and I think he can definitely play for, you know, another year or so. But it's looking like he's going to be here till he's 30. And I would just, it like, point to the point to an elite 30-year-old running back in the league. Can, can you name a 30-year-old running back in the league who's still really good? No, no, probably not. Maybe there's one, but it's just, it's not a position that you pay for a reason. It's, it's an, it's a position that gets abused. They run into 300 pound linemen constantly at like 200 pounds. Uh, you know, he's not a big guy and he's, it, the treads are going to fall off and you're going to see a huge dip in production. Maybe not this year. Maybe it's going to be next year, but it's going to happen. It's not a question of if, but when. So why do we keep extending him and bringing him back? And then the other thing that made me nervous is uh, I saw your tweet, which made a lot of sense, that him coming back is probably a, a, a sign that Rodgers is coming back. And honestly, I I will love the Packers till the day I die, but I may need to just pause my fandom for a year because um, I don't I don't think I can watch Rodgers try again. It's getting sad. He's he's just not the guy he used to be. We've gone over it a million times, and it's, I'm tired of talking about it, but. I just can't watch it again. I can't watch another just crappy season of us like looking like we might get a high draft pick and then pulling it out and looking looking like we'll we'll make a playoff run and then doing neither. You know, I we had too many a year too many years of that before before Matt Lafleur where you know it, we never we never got a good draft pick. We never got far enough into the playoffs to even look at a Super Bowl. It's it's old. I'm tired. I'm just tired. I'm going to have to just be a football fan next year. Go back, go. Um, yeah, I, I, first of all, I just want to clarify because some people were confused when I said this means Rodgers is coming back. I didn't mean that from the team's perspective, that this is a signal that, that, that the team doesn't know what Rodgers is doing. My, my only point was it makes it more likely that Rodgers would want to come back because we've committed to Aaron Jones. That was my point on that. Just to be clear... And then I also, excuse me, uh, pulled the top 15 running backs. We got Josh Jacobs is 25, Aaron Jones is 28, Nick Chubb is 27, Tony Pollard is 25, A.J. Dillon is 24, Tyler Algier is 22, Henry is 28, uh, Caleb Huntley, I don't know, but he was he's a free agent in 2021, so he's 23-ish, let's say. Uh, Latavius is 33. Um... Yeah, so he's 33. He's trying to look and see. Uh, he played for two different teams, but it is what it is. And he's been he's been steady, Eddie. With Baltimore last year, he was in the 60s, but he's been 70, 70, 80, 60, 80. So he's been going strong. Uh, good old Latavius. Devin Singletary is 25, Saquon 26, Damian Pierce 22, Kenneth Walker 22, Ramondre is 24, Alexander Madison's 24. So you're right, we found one. And that's fair, but... You're right. I mean, top 15 running backs are all relatively young. And I'm guessing that's true of most positions. It would be interesting to kind of do somewhat of a study to see, you know, what positions tend to be able to get to that point more so than the others. I'm sure that study's already been done. I'll see if I can find something. Um, I do see one article here that kind of argues that that trend is kind of skewed because older players are more expensive. And so teams kind of, out of necessity, they they have a few old players 
just you know think of them as expensive players, and then they fill their roster with cheap players, which are generally younger players, especially more uh, athletic, high potential players. I did find this though via Bleacher Report, and this holds up with what I've heard a long time ago. When was this article from? It may just be, uh, yeah, it's from 2013, so that is probably around the same time. But anyways, um, it did a study of all the different positions when they generally reach their peak, et cetera. They talk about like quarterbacks usually start slow at about year three. That's when they kind of hit this thing, and then they go until a certain period, blah, blah, blah. It's got all the different positions kind of broken down. But talking about running backs, it says the maximum AV is reached at 26 and stays high for a few more seasons before declining. In the eighth season, the high and low hold steady while the average declines, indicating that the backs are starting to fade. The poorest starters are usually gone by the ninth year, and only the best producers remain. However, even the elites don't have long after that, with the top AV value dropping rapidly from the ninth year through the 14th. There is a quick straight drop-off in performance from the age of 27 down to 34, which is when most running back skills start to evaporate. So... There you go. Um, if you're looking for an example why, you you noted some as far as the physicality, but there's something else as far as from a scientific, this is from the sportsdigest.com. But it says muscle, mac, muscle mass peaks at around 25 and then decreases about 4% per decade until the age of 50. The peak includes the quick, explosive, and powerful movements needed for most positions on the football field, most notably at running back, which is really in line with if you are uh, subscribed to my Substack. I posted an article yesterday about a uh, report about how most of the uh, combine stuff is useless and doesn't really correlate to success, with the exception of um, the uh, the running backs. And the measures that matter are the sprinting and explosion, probably because it just really goes to show that this really encompasses what you need to do to succeed at the position. And so if that is the primary thing that you need to succeed at the position, and that is the thing that starts to decline at that age, then these are the people that are going to be hurt the most. It's also interesting because when you look at, and I've used this example before too, they looked at Frank Gore a while back, who was like 35, still running really well. And it was a question of like, how is he doing it? And you look at how um, mental his rushing style was. And the things he was able to do uh, in terms of succeeding while not having a lot of speed. And the interesting thing is he never really had a lot of speed. He ran a 4.66. So what I, I guess I would what's kind of funny, there's a high correlation between speed and, I shouldn't say high, but uh, higher than nothing correlation between speed and success in the running back position. However, if you find a guy that can run a 4.6 and get it done, that's the guy that's likely going to be able to do it at 31, 32, 33, 34, 35. Because while his speed starts to decline, and that explosiveness in the legs and the, the muscle mass and all that starts to uh, die off, thanks to age and whatnot, you're able to thrive because that's never what you needed to succeed anyways. And I don't even know if there are any Frank Gores left in the NFL. Are there any guys running four sevens in the NFL anymore? Probably not, but but I think that's somewhat of a scientific answer or or basis for not signing guys like Aaron Jones because because again it's like well how could you not look how good he is oh I know but the argument is he's not going to be able to maintain that now maybe he is there are guys that defy the odds you know intelligent runners and I think Aaron Jones is one of them 
Maybe he could be that guy. But the point is that the data points to everybody starts to erode after 25. Running backs in particular, there is a steep decline around, you know, after 27-ish. And Aaron Jones just turned 28. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, again, the good thing is they haven't really run him into the ground. The bad news is it's not all about tread. So anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you guys so much for calling in. 608-501-0718. Give me a call. I will talk to you all tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thank you.